Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Brett. How you doing? I'm great. I'm fantastic because today we have a super special, unique guest. Well, I think the guest would be able to tell if you are, in fact, fantastic. Now you're previewing who she is. So our guest today is Susan Ibitz. Susan is a human behavior hacker. And I know that of everyone listening to this, none of them has ever met a human behavior (laughs) hacker. She is truly one of a kind. Some people hack computers. Susan hacks humans. She is an internationally known human behavior expert with a unique ability to understand nonverbal human behaviors. She uses facial reading, body language, and microaggressions to decode individuals and groups. I'm so it's really amazing. Right now. She has worked with numerous police departments, state, local, and national governments, hospitality groups, and lawyers and law firms. And she also serves as a frequent guest lecturer, speaker, keynote presenter in the corporate world, but also across the academic and government fields. And this is an amazing bio. She's also a level three hostage negotiator. She has a long list of impressive certifications and credentials, including Harvard Law School, Berkeley, fax coder training, And we'll just include a link to her bio in the show notes so you can learn more about her amazing background and career. And with that, I'm excited to welcome Susan to the podcast. I think you're missing, I guess. I don't know what you're talking about. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Susan, thanks so much. Before we jump into what you do, I guess I would ask, how did you get into this field? Or basically, you built this field. How did you build it? (laughs) If somebody already listened to me before, it's going to sound repetitive, but failing. I failed so terrible that I need to stand up on my feet. I wanted to be a FBI hostage negotiator and interrogator when I was 13. I don't know many people who want to do that. Someone to be ballerinas, fire department. I want to be a badass hostage negotiator because my dad was Italian. My mom was Jewish. And my dad and I, we shared watching The Godfather. He was reading to me and explaining to me how the family, one of our family tree, he just came from Italy because he was a godfather on that time. Hmm. So I was fascinated with that and how they work. Why the conciliary on, on Italian mafia always sitting on the left side because it's connected to the right brain. So my dad, who never went to the uni, explain me all those things. And when you're 13, you get fascinated with that. So at the age of 17, I went to the unit and I found out that I'm highly, highly dyslexic. And 33 years ago, dyslexia was a disability. Now it's a superpower. MI6, the Secret Service, hires six profilers who need to be dyslexic between 10 or higher because you see things in 3D and you have the possibility to see things. So at the age of 17, with all my dreams crashed, I need to build a new one. So why not to build a new profession, being a human behavior hacker? I grab my backpack, my parents sign my passport so I can travel around the world. I lived for 12 years in Europe, and 22 years ago, I came to the United States. I worked as a political consultant for 18. I wasn't the one collecting money. I always have this dark Vader. That's what I do, the dark side of behavior. Uh, teaching politicians how to talk, how to present, the what works to use to influence. 
and 12 years ago I get burned out and I start missing the adrenaline. So I'm weird and crazy. Who I need to work with? Lawyers. So now I work helping lawyers, doing trial consulting, helping sales rep, how to profile anybody in 90 seconds and get the deal done. So how to profile somebody in 90 seconds. So you and I have met before, but you've never met Brett, or have you? I mean, before this month. The camera move. I have Brett out of other focus. If we yeah. Move, yeah, I just, I'm I, need bring to, I think I need to speak and then it'll, it'll move back. But for our listener, we have Susan on a Zoom on a video, so she couldn't see me for a second, but now she can. You and I have not met before today. Can you read bread or is that how it works or what do you need? Uh, what I would you need nervous. to do this? Do you want to be read? I would like to say no, but um, <laughs> I am being put on the spot. So well, I'm going to say yes. I'm open and willing to do it. Does it matter? Does you need permission from him to read him or? You have two kind of readings. You have a lawyer or a sales rep or a realtor or somebody who need a profile of someone who either you want to be dating or yeah. you want to tie the knots. Or the lawyer need a profile for the jury or the witness or whatever, or the other part. So, but when you are in front of the person and person is aware you're reading, I have four laws. There are four type of people that you need to let it mean. The police, if they don't want a warrant and you don't say come up, they cannot come in. The devil, the demon, and myself. If you don't allow me, I cannot get in your space. Why? Because the reading, the person is going to be fighting the reading. Because it's nothing more intimidating. It's like feeling naked on a crowd when somebody who doesn't know you sometimes tell you things that not even your spouse after 20 years knows Uh-oh. about you. Right. So I want to be respectful. Now, you pay me and send me the picture that this, the person is not present, I can give you 50 pages, no problem. I'm a mercenary with that. Hmm. Okay, so you can look at Brett, but if he's not open to it, then he might be modifying his behavior or his facial expressions or something like that. It's going to be resistant. It's like when you do physical therapy. If the patient is not collaborating, you're not right. going to have improvement. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So, okay. All right. So, you want to read them now? Okay. One of the things facial reading, reading faces, yeah. come first the micro expression and body language. Because it's not what your body does, it's the reaction to what the way I communicate with you. Right. It's not what I want to say, it's what you want to hear. What Brad did when you said, when we are ready, he pressed the lips like he did now. Yeah. And he pressed the lips and make a fake smile. So that is nervousness. So relax. I promise I didn't say only positive things about you. <laughs> no. somebody, only to start learning how this works together. Yeah. That's the reason I have all the fields together. I think I must be the only person who study all the behavioral together because when one ends, the other needs to start. So that tells me about him. He's nervous. So, so my empath needs to come up to do the reading. So the first thing I would so tell you... Just, yeah. just for clarification, because most of the people are going to be listening. So yeah. what he did was he pressed his lips together, just for someone who doesn't have the image. He pressed his yeah. lips together. He pressed the lips together and make a clown smile. So oh, he made... Lips, right, I got you. He made the fake smile. Like okay. a closed mouth smile. Right. So when people press the lips, imagine all the time that you don't want something come up from your mouth. Liquid food awards. So that's what he did. Gotcha. So I'm nervous. Like it's not that he is calling what he says. It's nervous because show fear. You can see the two muscles on the neck get tense when he did that. So he's nervous. 
he has fear because he doesn't understand the process because he never has been present. It's not that he fear me, fear the process. Right. Okay. Well, I am, yeah, the camera's coming back. I am ready, as ready as I will ever be, I think, to have this done. And then you're not, you shrug your shoulder. Oh my God, you're so easy to read. See, (laughs) I'm like an open book. I've been married for almost 23 years. I am an open book. And I love that you, when he says, I'm an open book, you open your arms and your palms. When we put our palms and our hands in front of the torso, this is the most sensitive part between your neck and your umbilical cord. Yeah. You can get an arm chop and you're not going to die, but if somebody hurts you in this part. So when we do this, when you open your hands, it's like you sincerely are open to be read. So those are the few cues that your people can get. Okay, the first thing I'm going to say is that you're going to be a really good candidate to be read. You process information faster. You don't tend to interrupt people verbally because you know, learn how not to do it. But mentally, you're going to make a shopping list in your head if the people go too long or tell you a story. People think that you're impatient or even baby rude because you interrupt them with questions, but you need to speed it up. People go too slow, too slow driving, too slow talking, too slow speaking, too slow going wherever they need to go. And because you're always thinking outside the box for solution, you need the people to give you the information you need to get things fixed before they hit the fan. Or when they hit the fan, you tend to have a perspective how to fix those situations in a way that you ended up explaining others what are your concepts because they don't understand because it's too out of the comfort zone for that people. How I'm doing I don't know, Jeff. How's she doing? I think you're pretty on target. The one thing I'll say is he does—he's very good. He's a good listener. He does not interrupt people yeah. often. Doctor Easton says one thing is learning not to interrupt verbally, but what happened in your head when people go to write? And he's nodding yes. Yes. So I guess I have oh a hundred percent. I want to right, like you said, to cut them off, to ask the question, to direct the conversation, but I restrain myself and wait. Sometimes, sometimes I will say, hey, may I interrupt, stop you there? I have a question, right? And that's a big pet peeve. And Jeff said is a big pet peeve of mine, which is when people interrupt other people. Like my view is listen, 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 listen. Because you train yourself. What happened with face reading is I'm reading what your face is telling me. Mm -hmm. We learn our behavior. If you learn it at a young age, the advantage is you can correct it. But if you go into a stress situation, somebody who's near to your heart or is in your circle, you're going to start interrupting because you feel that you have the approval because it's in your inner circle. Now, when you go into your business, you understand that is the other person who needs to show up. But in your inner circle, somebody pissed you off, you're going to be interrupting. It's a lost fight with you. Yeah. And the patience part about when I drive, my children got to learn some very bad words at a very young age. So uh, (laughs) you you hit that nail on the head. (laughs) I've tried to become more patient as I've gotten older and older. So Uh, it's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you something that's called gerontology. I studied in Zurich. It's fascinating. I studied the evolution behavior part of the gerontology. And it's the study what happened when we grow older, while we get more grumpy, while we tend to get certain ideas. Everything that you see as a wrong with you, mm-hmm. as we grow older, maximizing. So the good news is you learn how to manage. The bad news is not going to go away. 
Right. I guess the management part is the key, right? Is that recognizing whatever your behavior is and learning to manage it instead of it going away, right? Is like learning to manage it. Correct. And another thing, you thinking, doing, and after feeling. What do you mean with this? You have three songs on the face, your forehead, the length of your nose, and the tip of the nose to your chin. No matter if you're bald or you have a lot of hair, the two points on your head that your head is shiny, meaning that you have a round forehead, extremely creative. Not always you have this creative part happening nine to five. You have your moments. I don't know if you keep a black book when you get notes. I would advise you so you get the ideas out of your head and you say not yes, you're not a yes, yes, and you press your lips again like how <laughs> the heck she know that. So you tend to think, yeah. you evaluate it like you're an engineer mind and you have this rabbit hole like a spyweb. You think all the options leading like lights on fireworks and for a July. Automatically, once you have the plan strategic done, you execute. The problem with that, because you don't pass through the feeling filter, is that you execute even sometimes without informing the other person because you're a fixer. You go to fix the situation. And you, what kind of lawyer you are? A litigator. So, yes, you're the perfect career. You're the perfect litigator. The problem is you go and execute, and sometimes the client, because nobody want to go to a lawyer or a provider. When they go, it's because they need to, not because you want to, except that you want to write a will, and even though people present resistance. So is you are in the fixing mode. This client is on fire, and I need to be the fireman who fixed the problem. So you go to that, and clients come to you like, oh, why you didn't tell me? Because you need to be fired by 5 p.m. Okay, but you decided 24 hours before. You should tell me. And sometimes can happen... You don't know, you have a problem in your house. Let's put it in an environment where every can relate if there are no lawyers. And your wife says, I don't like the window. The window is not working. The window is not working. The window is not working. You're not going to ask her how you want to fix it. Either you're going to fix it or you're going to call someone to do it. You don't want the nagging knowing that the problem is there. You need to get it fixed. And she's like, yeah, but I want to take the advantage to change the window or put new curtains when we do that or put a screen. Why you didn't ask me? Because she says we have a problem and I need to fix it. If it's not what you told me. Right. Yeah. So let's go back. And if you wouldn't mind giving away maybe some of the state secrets to your process, right? So you, in a very short amount of time through the video, video right, yeah. were able to... I'm sorry, for the people who's not watching, yeah. you're way far away from the monitor. Right. You have a small computer. So... I don't have a picture of you frozen. You are, I would say, five to six feet away from the computer on a small screen. So right. that you are pinned on my screen, only to understand that how easy it is to do a reading if you know how to. Right. And so then what do you look for? What are you reading? Whether it's on the face, whether it's in the mannerisms, you know, how they're sitting how the person is sitting. How did you get to the point? of being able to so quickly come through with that analysis? First, this reading has been among us for 5,000 years. It used to be teach on the 1600s on the unit. The Judaism find it. You're going to find it in many, many cultures. It's the oldest behavior to profile, and it's the behavior who have longest studies on the world. There were studies done for 83 years, over 292 people to determine symmetry and how volatile, violent, and narcissist can be. The IG Nobel Prize was granted last year 
because now you can determine narcissists on the person through the eyebrows. So that's how powerful it is. I need to have a picture. I can rip 235 pictures in your face. Ears, high, low, small, stick out, stick in, half a stick out, half a stick in. The inner reach, the outer reach, the size of the auditory, the earlobes. I can read your forehead in around 17 different ways. If you are burned out, how intelligent, what are the areas of expertise? You have only one area of expertise. How emotional or sexual you are, how much stamina you have, how emotional talking about business or how emotional in your personal life. So when I have all these conditions, and actually they're doing studies now to diagnose early Alzheimer, mm. reading phases too. It's being used in medical. That's how it started wow. in China to identify illness in your face. So when I know how you need to receive information because you're visual. So if I need to explain you something, I have you in the core room or you're my client in the cells, I do know that I need to use visual aids. Those can be my hands and this is a big deal. I think that we can work together. I use the words, that is a statement analysis. I study with a former military, Israeli militaries how to do interrogation and use it in various, what words to use. I use my hands as a visual aid. And right. when I do that, I check your body, your expression, how you sit, how you accommodate, how you pacify yourself. So to simplify, it's a broad of all the things together. But the first thing you need to learn is face reading. If I don't know how I need to talk to you, what I'm going to find out is that your body is going to be rejected by saying, not because it's wrong, I'm delivering the wrong way. If you have a pizza delivered from an helicopter, you don't have a pizza anymore. It's still a pizza. But if you have somebody giving the delivery in your hands, now is the right delivery. This is the same way. Right. So is there a way for our listeners out there? Is there a takeaway right now? Is there something you could tell us? Okay, here's what to look for. Is there some simple I'm one? Give you guys Go ahead. We are doing a 10-day challenge where for 10 days, when you register, you're going to receive an email and you're going to learn different features, how to use it, how to measure. And by the way, I'm going to put it out there. We are the only company doing face reading training and profiling in all the channels online. It's evergreen. You can participate. We have coaching classes. We help you. We send you homework. And you're being coached for two years with the program because it's this you cannot learn it from a book. Right. Most of my students said, I wouldn't know I'm going to pay you. I'm going to buy a book. Guess what? 15 days later, can, can you please take me back? I, I cannot do it by the book. So. It's so not you, only that I can consult you, I teach you how. You teach people how to do this. So you teach people, but you also are available for hire. And, and you yes. said in the beginning that you work with a lot of lawyers and law firms. Can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, I assume it's jury advice, jury consulting? Uh, you have two ways you work with a lawyer. One of the things that I says, lawyers, do not call me after the depot. Call me when you have the depots. You have a strong client and strong weakness on the depot. They're going to mediate. You're still going to have your money faster in your pocket. And less stress for the client. A trial is stressful for everyone. If you have a witness, an expert, and the client put in a trial is too risky. You have 12 people watching at your clients and your witness. You don't believe me? Why don't you check Amber Heard account? It's 10 million uh, lower. And she's an actress. All the experts fail 
Johnny D was better prepared. He was doing the right thing. So I can prepare your clients, your witness, even the expert and the lawyers, how to do the closing and the part of the trial, even in divorce cases, profiling the other side, the judge and the lawyers to know how to talk to them. And the other side, I train TED Talk, Shark Tank, people who need to do public speaking, sales rep who need to do what just I did with you. Imagine if you need to sell something to someone. If I know that as soon as everything happening soon now is great. If I can read you, I can close a sale on the moment. Even if you're a lawyer and you have a client for whatever reason, you can profile the client. I can get you from the emotional to the practical why you need to hire me. Mm. So either we do that when the lawyer sends us a picture or we train them how to. I was just going to ask, sorry, do you have other people besides yourself that do this at your company? I mean, this is a very specific skill, takes a lot of years to perfect and a lot of training. And I love this. But it's learnable, right? Well, it's it's learnable, right? I mean, clearly. And I love the fact that you said, and I agree with the practical side of learning as opposed to reading it in a book. Like this to me screams of, you have to work at it like really hard and for a number of years to perfect it and to get better at it as you've done. Believe me or not, we have a small program for people who doesn't want to spend too much time but need to go to reading. Mm-hmm. It's 10 features in 10 days. I have people in two weeks doing a 95% accuracy. Wow. Because we don't do it using cocky words or complicated words. We use examples. They are palpable for you. We have a Facebook group, homework and open classes. So you integrate with others, you practice, you have feedback all the time. That is the point, is measure the features, make sure it's the right feature. You can memorize the meaning and how to put it together. Wow. So let me, so there's two, to me, there's multiple facets to this, obviously, but one of the things you do for lawyers and salespeople is help them read they're either customer or client or, or your boss. juror or boss. <laughs> Is there anything you do for, for example, a salesperson or a trial lawyer to help them with their own face or, or body language or anything like that so that they can modify their behavior? Do you follow my question? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's the reason we coach short time tech talk and speakers. Right. You have two options. You have action when the person is telling you something, and another one is reaction. Some people tend to do things with their body, like crossing the arms all the time, and the other person can be reading. So regroup you on a way that when you're aware with others, you can modify those behaviors. So when you come into us, we have two systems. We have, we're working with a company where we record five minutes of your speech. Open statement, closing statement, how you're gonna be interacting. We send this to an AI, who get at 250 people who see you in video, not knowing who you are, sometimes even without v, without audio, and they can assess when you're likable, when they don't like you, depending what the assessment you want. We compare that assessment with the assessment that we do on the, on, on the <laughs> company. By the way, we have 29 people on the company, five more profilers in different languages in different countries. So we got the assessment. It says, okay, you know what? People don't like you here, that words, you're not coming likable. It's not your problem, but if we just target the same people, you're going to be talking. Asian-American, African-American, native, blue-collar, white-collar, record. You need to measure on the audience you're going to have because, again, it's about the audience. We train you 
and we record you again and we send the evaluation. And when the, we have up to 60% change on the measurement, now we know that we got you ready. It's not expensive. People think that, oh, it's called a million dollars. No, because we do it so often. We have all the system already integrated. Mm. It's not it's not nor affordable having a provider in a, in, in a legal setting or in a sales setting because one win you do, one commission, one bonus you have, you already pay for the consulting. And more, more important, we teach you how to. So why not to learn on the process you consult? That's amazing. And I also, I would expect that during a jury trial, for example, you could be sitting next to counsel watching the jury and giving counsel feedback as to which jurors are paying attention or, or what kind of feedback are you able to give? We do that. And actually, we have some technology when we have mirror jurors sitting on the bench and they're wearing a watch that measure the emotions. So we can have a mirror juror. Hmm. So we pick what are the most complicated jurors on the scene and we get mirror jurors. So we what is it? watch a mirror juror. A what, mirror what do you mean? Juror. So people who have maybe doesn't look alike, but behavioral wise, they have simulated. So we give them a watch who measure the emotions. So we can have in real time what are the emotions happening? Because sometimes you can miss up a bit because you have 12 people watching you, checking your client, your lawyers talking to you. So at the end, we have a point that what are the, the places where people didn't like it or we have a problem so we can readdress the witness, the client or the expert. That's mm. where technology helps us because you can have only one person like me sitting next to the lawyer and you are watching 20 people happen at the same time. Right. So are you always going to be missing something? Now the the happen in Zoom to me is great because I capture the screen, I can do the evaluation on time. But in a big court where you're sitting here and the jury's here, if you do it this all the time, they are aware and the other lawyer is aware. So sometimes you do it by the voice and checking even the person who's on the stand, sometimes I look in on the jurors and you see them with fear or surprise. And like, oh, something happened with the jurors. Okay, let's analyze that idea. Ooh, there was a word that didn't happen. That's what we need to be paying attention. Mm. And and you can also, you, I assume, help the lawyers read witnesses on the witness stand, as well as the judge, clearly. And even opposing counsel and, you know, the adversary, the opposing party, to see what their reactions are to various things. Not only that, I can tell you how to piss off the person in front of you to lose control, because sometimes you need that. Yeah, We did that in political consulting. Yeah. I was telling, okay, you're going to have a debate. You need to use these words. Use pause. The person needs you to go fast. Say less. Use a lot of pause so that a person loses their marbles. And <laughs> sometimes you need that. You need a witness to lose it. Yeah. Because everybody gets coached one way or another. So I can tell you, okay, that witness, that what you need to say, that what you need to do, how you need to behave. Sometimes play goofy. Play that you're not organized. That person is an alpha type A. Want everything in order. If you're not going in order, the person is going to lose the marbles. And you need that to show, like, no more question. Look like you cannot put yourself together. And the person is going to lose it. So sometimes you need that. Control is sometimes make the other person lose control. And most people can say, she's a devil. No, I'm not very there. Better. <laughs> I have uh, one more question, Susan. You know, I think there are some sort of stereotypical 
body language that people say if someone's sitting there with their arms crossed, they're not open and things like that. Are those true? Can you generalize that way? Actually, I'm preparing a class. Funny, I have all the, the misconceptions and body language. Oh, How what are they? you have told if a person look to the right or look to the left, they're lying and constructing reality? Right. It's not true. Debunk 2011. Bander has done amazing things in LP, but this is not one of that. You need a baseline. I'm a visual person, so I tend to close the eyes when I need to remember or look up. Straight look up, not to the left, not to the right. So do not think on that because you can judge or make somebody guilty who is not. And if you left the right hand, the eyes change, shift, crossing arms. When somebody crosses the arms at the time to make a decision, I do know that I'm going to close the deal. You know why? Because the only time the two parts of the brains, when you need to do a decision that is emotion and business side, the two brains correlate to make the decisions is when you close your extremities, legs or hands or arms. That's the reason when you go into yoga or Pilates, they make you to cross the arms and the feet to get balance. Actually, if you do it without doing that, you lose balance. Why? Because your brain is doing this all the time, balancing all the time. So if the person, you need to be paying attention and be aware of what you say to see if the person crossed their arms. If you set the price and cross their arms and pull the body away and suddenly show like shrink on the nose, there is disgust or fear or surprise. Now we have a problem. You need to readdress. But if the person closed the arm until the head and says, is anything else that you want to know or you need time to process? No, tell me more. And suddenly they do this, that is positive. So I'm sorry, I'm going to be rude with this, but if you're reading body language in Cosmopolitan, you have a huge problem. <laughs> Every article to start, 93% of your communication is body language. I close the article, I stop the podcast, I don't watch anymore. You know why? I train hosted negotiator how to negotiate. How many chances you have to negotiate in person with a person? None. Yeah. So the words, the tone of the voice, the enunciation of the voice, the stress on the voice, I can determine more about you than your body language. And people train how to hold their body, but the words are the best way. When I have a statement, I don't need to know the person. I usually don't read the first page because the second page is when people lost control. <laughs> and I'm going to know, start saying, we, we, I. They start using past tense and in the moment of the accident, they use present tense. The only thing you construct on the present are lies. So be careful when you're reading body language and you're not studying with the right person or you're going with somebody who take a class online and suddenly write a book on an article. I'm a huge person saying that be careful what you read and how you do it. So smile. If you smile, everybody's going to love you. Be careful how you smile. You can look weird. And we mirror emotions. So if you look weird, the other person is going to look weird. So look yourself first. And by the way, the best one at the end, first impression has nothing to do with you. Nothing. You know why? Because I can remind you to a person that you hate, my tone of voice, my accent, the way I dress, my hair, in positive or negative way. So when I realize that initially I don't click with the person in front of me, I tend to put another profiler or I address the situation. For some reason, you don't like me and we're going to need to work together. 
So can you tell me what are the emotions that I generate on you so we can address it <laughs> openly so I am aware of that to not repeat it? Or I'm going to choose to put you in another profiler because you're the most important person in the room. Know my ego, your needs. And people are like, you know what? Now that you says you have the same lipstick color than my mom. Can you avoid to use it? No problem. I change the color. That sometimes is so simple to address <laughs> the situation. I, I mean, this is so <laughs> fascinating to me. I feel like we could talk for hours. You've debunked a few things, like you just said, on body language right, yeah. and being, being primary, right? But I, I think that there's even at a more simplistic everyday level, the ability to read the room, if you will, right? Like that's always the thing, like be able to read the room, you know? I think it's a skill that our texting and Snapchat and, and like we lose that. And I think the younger generation, I think is hopefully is not losing that, but maybe they are. But, They're clueless. Yeah. They're clueless. Yeah. If it doesn't fit in 140 characters, yeah. they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and I feel like there's got to be, at some point, maybe that changes or not. I don't know. I hope so because, and I know I try to do that with my, my kids because I feel like being able to read the person when you're talking to them, even at a more simplistic level than you're talking about, is so important. And what you do is fascinating to me and is, can be so useful in so many, on so many levels. Thank you. This, yeah. this has been yeah. phenomenal. Only to let you know that you know how many parents that are sending me the texts from the kids or read me the kids. Yeah. Uh, give me clues to know if my uh, how to handle conversations with my kids about drugs, yeah. about sex, about bullying, what is going on, what I need to be reading to be paying attention. And sometimes I give them like this an hour, two hour consultant and they come back to me like I found this and this and this. Thank you very much. Now we have counselor. Well, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. No, but you can. Analysis. But you can read humans, and you so, can help. Exactly. So, one of the other services you might be able to provide, it sounds like, is to a parent who may need some assistance in how to communicate with their child, not by text, but communicate with their child, and to read, you know, some markers that they may be able to pick up on. To lead a productive conversation, mm -hmm. you don't react because parents tend to tell me the truth. They're not going to talk. Right. You need to lead them to put their food in their mouth. And I says emojis are the body language for technology. You can read the emojis and what is the meaning and what emojis you need to send to your kids to level with them. Right. Yeah. Fascinating stuff, Susan. I uh, I feel like. We're going to need to have you back on the podcast <laughs> because this was, uh, I have, I have so many questions still I want to ask, but we're going to wrap it up here. And then we would love to have you back if you would be so kind as to join us again. Susan Ibitz, the human behavior hacker. Her information is in the show notes. We'll also include a link to your, the 10 day challenge. That's a fantastic idea. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star review. Share the pod with your friends and family. Follow us wherever you listen to your podcast, and we will see you next time. Thanks again, Susan. And thank you, Nelson. And thank you, Nelson. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.